The message of thanksgiving resonates both in a very personal and universal manner. We can all appreciate the power of gratitude, of saying thank you. Especially today, psychologically, and in many schools of therapy, they're beginning to recognize the power of gratitude. How it takes the focus away from the ego to appreciate the blessings in your life, the gifts. And it has palpable and visible effects on people's welfare and people's lives. But let's take it a step further. What is the soul of thanksgiving? The soul of gratitude. Why is gratitude indeed such a powerful force in life? So please join me in the special Thanksgiving program, The Soul of Thanksgiving, to discover deeper resources, strengths, powers that we have to counter the negative, the demons, and the darkness. Hi, Simon Jacobson here. Welcome to our special Thanksgiving program, The Soul of Thanksgiving. This program is dedicated by Karine Caputo in loving memory of her grandmother, Rachel Maman. The message of Thanksgiving is both personal and universal. We all can appreciate the idea of saying thank you of gratitude. Especially today, psychologists, therapists, and many schools of thought have come to recognize and actualize gratitude as a real tool, a tool for improving our welfare, improving our state of minds, our hearts. And it makes total sense because you can see the palpable effects I recall a video I saw a number of years ago. It's very moving. It's like an experiment. I believe six or seven people were chosen, different backgrounds, different ethnic groups, men, women, different ages. And they were chosen on a spectrum of people who are relatively not the happiest, but relatively in a happier state to the extreme, other extreme, people who are very depressed. And the people were not told what this experiment is going to entail. They just agreed to follow instructions. And the first thing was, to each was asked to write down a memory of a person who had helped them in their lives. And that can go back 
years, from childhood, from school, friends, strangers, to write down a thank you letter to that person. Okay. So some wrote about their mother, some people wrote about a teacher. Everyone had their uh, so-called thank you letter. The next step, again, the people were not told, is that they tracked down these individuals and now each of these subjects were asked to call and all this is being recorded. To call that person, even though they may not have spoken to them in years, and read the letter to them. You have to see this. Besides the, just the, there's the shock in a way and the surprise, both are the recipient's end, but even more so on the one that did the call, is quite amazing. And indeed, I remember, I remember all the actual interactions, but especially the one, the one, the person at the lowest end of the spectrum as depressed, it had a visible effect on every one of them that it lifted their self-confidence, their optimism, their hope for the future. Just this one act. Because what it did was it reawakened something special in their lives, but above all that they were able to appreciate it and thank the person. Actual thanksgiving, an actual act of gratitude. I think one was a teacher and they were surprised to hear, who are you? Oh, and then they read the thank you letter. I mean, it was extremely moving. I'm sure you can find the video. It's years ago. But it remained very vivid, <laughs> etched in my memory. And there are thousands of such experiments. Try it out. What do you got to lose? What better way to celebrate Thanksgiving? Not just to eat turkey or visit family, but to actually express gratitude. So the logical reasons and the psychological and emotional reasons are pretty obvious. They're obvious because what it is, number one, it's a moment of truth. You're actually acknowledging something that happened that helped you, and you're voicing gratitude. I don't want to call it repayment, but it's a form of, of uh, reciprocating and just saying thank you, gratitude. Secondly, it focuses you not on yourself, but on others. Not what I need and what I get and what I take. It reminds me that joke they tell. So there are three friends going on a little trip in a rowboat. And one, unfortunately, falls out of the boat. Jack was his name. And he wasn't able to swim. And Jack's yelling, please, please. So the two are getting closer and edging closer and, and say, Jack, give me your hand. Give me your hand. And he refuses. So the other fellow says, Jack does not know how to give. So he said, take my hand. Take my hand. And Jack reached out and they saved him. Unfortunately, some people know how to take but not how to give. So giving takes you out of your own little self-contained, self-interest world 
and opens you up to other people. And finally, when people say, I don't have this, I don't have that, gratitude focuses on all the blessings in your life. Appreciate what you have. I don't know who coined this, but when you don't like, when you don't have what you like, it's time to start liking what you have. Appreciate that which you have. That doesn't mean a person shouldn't aspire to growth, but it means that there's much to appreciate. And it balances out that sense of self-entitlement, taking life for granted, even apathy. The list goes on. I want to take this to another level. What is the real soul of thanksgiving? The soul of gratitude, of saying thank you, of feeling gratitude. And that brings us to explore and probe into the deeper recesses of our inner psyches, of our souls. What makes us tick? The essence of who we are. Which is why you indeed find, long before Thanksgiving, you find the concept of gratitude in the Bible. There was the bringing of the first fruit offering, that when the Jewish people entered the Promised Land, the first fruit that you harvest, bring to the temple as a gift to God. As what? As a, uh, a thank you. There's the concept of the thank you offering. That when something happens in your life, you show thank you. I've spoken about this many times. Every morning, we say, Moda'ani, thank you. I acknowledge. Thank you for returning my soul to me. In Hebrew, the word moda means to thank, to acknowledge. You see, modim, hoidu, Yehuda was one of the tribes. Comes from the word hoida, to acknowledge, to thank. So it's a central theme that goes back thousands of years. But again, it's not just a nice thing. It's not just a psychological healthy thing to do. It actually releases just like there's dopamine and other chemicals that make us feel good, it releases chemicals, energies, spiritual energies from within you that can be trapped and locked. Now, why is that the case? So this takes us back to a fundamental Kabbalistic concept, which today is paralleled in physics and science. And that is that there's an integral unity in all of existence. Though we look at the world, and on a surface level it can seem like billions, trillions, zillions of fragments, the truth is it's one large organism. Just as if you look at a human body on a microcosmic level, so human body is made up of many parts. And if, God forbid, somebody dissected a body and put it out on the table, just as an imaginary experiment, and a person never knew what a body was, you'd never know that these pieces can come together and work in such a coordinated, synchronized fashion. And it makes total sense once you get it. So there's an integral unity, especially on a microscopic level, on the DNA and the cellular level. And this has been proven time and again, many different experiments and many different observations. I'm not going now to the proof of it but it's pretty much a given. 
to the point that scientists, it still eludes them, beginning from Einstein and perhaps before him, the search for the unified field theory. Unified field theory. Because science is driven by the idea of finding unified laws that explain different phenomena. But that one law that unifies them all, gravity, electromagnetism, the strong force, the weak force, nuclear forces, has still not been discovered. But scientists are absolutely convinced they will because they were able to get it down to four laws or two laws, however you explain it. The point being is that unity is the core essence of existence. As big as it may be and as the, as multitudes, as the multitude of individual entities exist, there is a core integral unity. As I said, we see it in our own human bodies. We see it also in nature. Look around. You see the cross-pollination, not just of bees and flowers, but of all organisms in the, on the most intricate levels and the most mass scale. Look at human nature, our search for unity, a very basic level. We abhor disorganization. Now, what we call organization, that may differ, but everybody feels they need organization. When you come into your house and you see everything has been thrown all over the place, it disturbs us. A little child, give them objects of different shapes and sizes. They naturally will fit them in to the corresponding holes, a sphere within a sphere, a square, a rectangle, a triangle. Because we naturally gravitate to organization. We put things on shelves. We organize them in files, different categories, structures. Today they call it intellectual architecture. And that is, as I said, an essential component. So let's now bring this back to our interactions. Here we have, we just hit 8 billion people on this planet. And we know they're different. In the words of the Talmud, there are no two faces alike, and there are no two opinions alike. We think differently. Even brothers, sisters, twins. So there's distinction and yet there's also a commonality. And yet we see that the world has been ravaged throughout history by war, by dispute, by arguments, self-interest, conflicts, sometimes in a very subtle way and sometimes in a very blatant way. Real destruction. Why is that the case? Why don't we work the same way nature works? With this cooperation, Co not just coexistence, but cooperation, give and take. We all need each other. The answer is because we have choice. Musical notes written by a composer don't have choice. They're written and organized, and if the musician or the, the, the one playing it or singing it follows those notes, it's going to be beautiful. But imagine if the notes began to each decide they have their own agenda. Or in an orchestra, 
the different musicians and the different instruments decide each to go their own direction without the conductor, without their coordination, it would be just noise, grating <laughs> noise. But that doesn't mean there isn't an integral unity. So the Kabbalists, the mystics, explain, because exactly that's exactly the purpose of existence. For us to come into a world on its own, which can be fragmented, can be, and can be divided to the point of even not just diversity, but divisiveness, and bring harmony into the world of diversity to reorganize the musical notes of existence and create beautiful music. Now, if you only have one musical note or one color or one entity, there can be no arguments. There can be no conflicts. There can be no dissonance. Beauty, however, is only the result of many different components, many different colors, many different musical notes, many different pieces, each with their own personality, and organize them, them. So a nice example would be the concept of, take a book, a beautiful book with an eloquent narrative, and then someone takes the book, tears up the pages, and scatters them all over the earth. And it's your mission to gather them together and piece it together into that one narrative once again. This is an analogy for the concept. It's a Kabbalistic, but a very powerful concept called the shattering of the containers. To use the exact Kabbalistic word, toihu. It's the second verse in the book of Genesis. Right after it says, in the beginning God created heaven and earth, and the earth, it was empty, void, but toihu means more than that, means confused, it means it was scattered. And the mystics explain with the analogy that I just gave, not with a book, but an analogy of energies and containers all unified, but then something shatters them. Something breaks them. Essentially, this is the break and shattering that each of us goes through life. Sometimes it's called trauma. Sometimes it's called abuse. Anything that takes your wholesome and seamless life and some way cracks it through disappointment, through abandonment, through hurt. What happens is we ourselves become fragmented. We become split. It doesn't have to always be a split personality, but it's the idea of different voices conflicting. And as we grow into adults, when we, have, we didn't have that consistent security that you know where love was coming from, we will have that type of split within us. Something's been shattered. When a promise is broken, especially repeatedly, when things you expect, when you have been breached, trust has been breached, love has been betrayed. These are all forms, breach, betray, all forms of a shattering containers. The question is the extent. But it doesn't end there. If it ended there, it would be a bad scene. The goal now is to put the pieces back together. To discover the internal unity, the integral and internal unity that connects all the dots. 
That, in a way, is the mission of your life. So when we look at our lives, and I often use the experiment, to list everything you did today, or tomorrow, from the mornings, from the moment you woke up till the moment you go to sleep. You'll come up with 100 items. You woke up in the morning, pressed the snooze button, finally got up, exercised, showered, groomed, whatever the order is, had a coffee, commuted, went to work, had a meeting, another meeting, something more significant, less significant. Went from shop, shopping, went for a walk, met a friend. The evening, whatever the list is, and then try to connect them. You'll find that most of them are just scattered fragments. Now, it doesn't seem like much. That's life. But remember, that accumulates day after day, week after week, month after month, year after year, decade after decade, millennia after millennia, or century after century, I should say. And those fragments become millions, billions. So it has deep impact. It creates a certain disjointedness and unrest within us. But when your life is driven by a mission, when you have a mission statement, you begin the morning and say, thank you for returning my soul to me. I'll talk about that shortly. But the idea, first I'm focusing on the mission before the gratitude part. <clears throat> that becomes the hub that connects these spokes. So even when you tie your shoelaces, even though it's just a means to an end, but you're tying them to be dressed, so you, then you can continue your mission in life. Everything becomes connected. Just like an astronaut in space, every detail is accounted for because all part of the mission. That's bringing unity into fragmentation. And there are many, many other examples for this, of ways of doing it. But that is the key to having a healthy life. And it comes back to the fact that we are not pieces. We are not parts. We're driven by a unified, seamless soul that then manifests in the many millions, billions, trillions of cells of your body, within your body, and the many organs and limbs, but it's one soul. And that's the driving force, just as science is searching for the unified force that connects everything. So we're not looking to eliminate diversity, God forbid. It's part of it. That symphony, is ne it's necessary to have the diversity, or so you don't have beauty. You won't have the music. You won't have the art. But you also need the common denominator. You need the thread that connects it all. Which indeed in, Kabbal in Kabbalistic texts, just as I mentioned to you, there's also the concept of the thread. It's called that after the great symptom, the concealment, which allowed for this fragmentation to emerge, concealment that concealed the seamless, transcendent and divine consciousness and allowed space for other independent consciousness, Within that symptom comes what the Ariza, Isaac Luria, the great mystic, says. It's called a kavachut, a line and a, th and a thread. A thread that ties it all together, that connects it all. That both creates the different components, the diversity, but also connects them all. And hence you have the concept of interconnectivity. And in a personal way, that manifests in finding the unifying elements. That is why it's so important for a person, not just important, vital, critical, 
to have family, to have friends. Because we cannot be complete without the support of others. Now, that means not that they replace us, but support us. We complement each other. What does it feel like when you come in a unified, healthy, functional family? You come together for a Thanksgiving dinner or for any time. There's something about it. You anticipate it, a warmth, good memories, but above all, the unifying element that we're different, but we love each other. And this brings me back to gratitude. Gratitude releases that unifying energy. Let's talk about the contrast. When a person does not say thank you, does not appreciate, it's not just saying, feeling thank you, feelings of gratitude, and they just come on with their lives, that you're feeding the fragmentation, you're feeding the separation. When you say thank you, what you're saying is, you did something for me, and I appreciate it. You're introducing a unifying element. That is why it releases all those chemicals and those energies that are so healthy for us. Because it brings us back home. It brings us back to the place of the real spiritual oxygen that sustains us and makes us the best we can be. It introduces the unifying elements in life and not the division, the harmony within diversity. And thus it has all the psychological benefits and health benefits that we are so aware of and becoming more aware of by day by day as we speak. So the soul of thanksgiving, the soul of gratitude, is that, that revelation, that uncovering, unpacking of a unity that lies often dormant, covered up, concealed within us. It's like opening up reservoirs that have been closed up. Gratitude is like a release. It's a release of that unifying energy. And that's why it's so vital in our lives. I don't know if the pilgrims and when the United States formally established Thanksgiving as a holiday understood all of this. But as I said, the tradition goes back thousands of years. And regardless, even on a very basic level, saying thank you for our blessings and for our gifts, it's a beautiful thing. But when you appreciate also the deeper dimension of it, then you realize how critical it is. And that's why it is such a resonating and beautiful holiday. Now I know for many Thanksgiving is a day of sales, the beginning of the holiday season, time to, to have a nice meal, family time. Could be superficial, could be for some even meaningless, but there's deeper meaning to it, and that's the key thing to understand. And meaning that lasts not just for one day or one weekend, but for our entire lives. Because it's not just thanking, saying thank you on Thanksgiving. It's having gratitude every moment and every day. So try this out, this Thanksgiving exercise. Begin saying every morning, Moda'ani. So one line, prayer, meditation, mindfulness, thought, chant. Thank you for returning my soul to me. If you want to look at the Hebrew, you can find it in any prayer book online. But the key is thank you. That in the morning, you don't just take for granted you have another day, you had a, a, a night's sleep. Thank you for giving me another day. Thank you for making me indispensable 
and giving me a mission in life. Thank you for my soul. You're focusing on your hub, on your unifying hub, on the mission statement of your life. And everything else you do that day is an expression of that soul. Think about it. Everything. Whether it's a big thing, whether it's considered a small thing, it's all part of the expression of your soul on this earth. Your unique voice, your unique song, your unique music, your flower, your angel is being expressed. And I can assure you that when you do that, you also see the angel and the soul within others. And then you realize we are all part of a larger harmony. If you say the prayer already, you can always add more intention. It shouldn't just be by rote and mechanical. It should have that deeper meaning. So gratitude. Gratitude, in addition to all the practical benefits, draws into our lives and into existence itself the unified energy which lies at the heart and the soul of all the cosmos both on a macrocosmic level and a microcosmic level. And indeed changes the world, like the butterfly effect, the ripple effect. So thank you. I say gratitude to each one of you. Thank you. Thank you for listening. Thank you for being part of our work, partnering with us. Thank you for your questions. Thank you for your feedback, your thoughts. And thank you for sharing it with others. Pay it forward. Thank those around you. Thank those that have helped you. And I just say thank you with acts of gratitude, reciprocating, offering help, support, direction, guidance, clarity. So happy Thanksgiving, everyone. And allow the deepest and most powerful, beautiful, energies within you to flow forward and gratitude is a beautiful channel to achieve that be well and be blessed this has been simon jacobson meaningful life center meaningfullife.com where you can find this and many other programs on a wide array of topics please take advantage of it meaningfullife.com thank you and be well This program is brought to you by the Meaningful Life Center. Please help us continue our programs. Make even a small contribution at MeaningfulLife.com slash donate.